0: Tuesday morning everyone welcome to Kufaru cast uh, day after Memorial Day Uh, again want to thank all the veterans out there uh, and uh Obviously honor those who've served and we've lost their lives, uh, all that stuff. So definitely appreciate all the service members, police and things like that. All right. Well, we've got, uh, a show I'm excited about. We've been working on this for about a week, I guess, as far as getting these two guys on and one I've, uh, looked up to for quite a while, Dwayne Martin, uh, Dwayne, tell everybody a little bit about yourself.
1: I am, uh, 50 years old. I am from Southwest Virginia, a little town called Christiansburg. I've been competing competitive uh, competition archery, uh, traditional barebow archery uh, since about 2006, Uh, you know, really started competing heavy about 2010, Uh, you know, been fortunate enough, blessed enough to win a lot of competitions. I was the first barebow archer to win Vegas uh, since 1974 when the compound's First emerged. I won it in 2015, and the score that I shot has still not been broken in the Barbo class. Uh, But yeah, I've been very fortunate to, you know, win a lot of IBO titles and ASA titles, and uh, you know, I think I got a pretty good method, pretty strong mind, so that all helps out.
0: So what you're saying is, if I end up on the stake with you, I should probably like kick you in the leg to have a chance
1: yeah yeah well
0: (laughs) if i cut your strings it's way obvious if i just make you limp like a son of a bitch then i can be like well he i don't know what happened he fell i don't know what happened (laughs) Uh, uh and then we've got my my good buddy cody greenwood with the trad lab uh cody you've been on here before but introduce yourself
2: Oh, that's uh cody greenwood i'm with the trad lab and when you follow when you follow someone like dwayne martin on intros and and vegas records i can only say i'm an internet archer at this point <laughs> trying trying to learn my way that's that's a that's a that's a heck of an intro dwayne
0: well i I think what's good with this is we've got three sort of uh uh different perspectives on this when i say different perspectives uh dwayne not saying you don't hunt but you you know you're a obviously a, a much um, you know, higher in the tournament scene than I am. I'm, f- I'm focused more on hunting, and I get to hunt uh, quite a bit. And Cody's uh, real deep into the technical side of things. He shoots, obviously, some and hunts some. But it's three different perspectives coming at uh, the subject matter we're going to talk about, which is um, uh, triggers is w- what we're going to talk about. There's quite a bit of a to-do online uh you know, right now, as far as the different uh, psycho triggers and grip sears and and things like that, I have my own views on them, having used them. Uh, but I figured Dwayne, you would be uh, about as good as it gets as far as coming at it from a long term tournament perspective. Uh, and then Cody and I can kind of chime in here and there. Now, now, Cody, you you've had a few different eye opening moments around Dwayne and I, I guess, and you had talked about them before. What um. You can kind of talk about that as far as your eyes being open a little bit more, both the hunting and the tournament side of things.
2: Yeah, sure. And I, it's interesting to me to have both of you on the same podcast because Dwayne, my interaction with Dwayne, the first time I met him is what um, triggered me to start trad lab. And I think it was about two years ago now or three. And I went to my first IBO worlds where Jeff had took me up there and I showed up with a Debo and wood arrows that weren't tuned and uh, an aiming method that I thought worked. And, I was introduced to Dwayne by Jeff, and I asked Dwayne a question, and this is a guy who's getting ready to shoot for the the world championship, and uh, he took me off that uh, IBO course. We went to a side course with him and Calvin, and we shot, and they tried to coach me for a few hours, and um, I was not knowing, I wasn't self-aware of my ignorance at that time, and um, I was kind of, I think I was arguing back a little bit, and not in a, You know, negative way. But there was, I was debating back, and Dwayne turned to me and looked at me and said, 95% of what you know, or from what you've learned from the internet, is wrong. And it kind of made me pause for a minute. And I thought, well, that explains why I've been trying to learn how to do this for 15 years, and I'm, you know, still not successful. So I, I kind of shut my mouth and opened my ears for the rest of the day. And really from that day forward was, and I've written this story on my website, but from that day forward, that's when I went back to the house and said, what can I contribute so other people can kind of see the light and they can close the gap and start shooting well? Because Dwayne's system was really simple. It was very effective, and it was very, very different from what I had learned from you know trying to read mass opinions online. And then you move a year or two down the road, and I'm mule deer hunting now with Aaron Snyder, and I know we've told this story before, but, you know, we're rolling out the first morning. Now, this is the hunting side of things, not just the shooting side of things. And Aaron is, has been a subject matter expert that I'd leveraged a few times. Um, and we're in the truck, and I, I make a comment that, you know, we're gonna hopefully we're going to be shooting a 180-class mule deer because that's what I see all the time in pictures. And uh, time stopped abruptly. And you, you turned around and showed me multiple pictures of mule deer and asked me to, you know, judge them, and everything was a 180 to me. And and the fact is, most of those were 150s. And you basically said, you you can't judge a mule deer because your only experience is what you've seen on the Internet. And it was at that moment that a light bulb came on. And I'm like, there's two, in, two completely different subject matter experts that I leverage, and both of them have had the exact same response to me whenever I've gained all my knowledge from the Internet. And I think... The internet is a blessing in some sense because it brings a lot of information to us, but it may hurt us because you, a guy like me who is who is trying to learn, I can't go to a local club, look for the best shooter, and go talk to him and him only or her. Now you can't evaluate the validity of the conversation, and you often are armed with bad information. and th- And that was the, the aha moment for me when when that those two things occurred at the exact same uh, on the exact same path. Hopefully, we can get into that a little bit in this conversation. Uh,
0: I think that the um, just so people understand when I say triggers or whatever, if if you're just listening in, what, when I when I first started uh, shooting uh, a, a traditional bow, I had a, an in-depth um, uh, level or understanding of archery from the compound side of things, we, whether being shooting a wrist rocket or an index finger least, a thumb button a hinge, an actual back tension release. I understood how to execute um, a shot with with back tension. I, I, I understood, you know, archery basically, or form. And I went to a stick bow, things changed. I did not put a trigger on my bow. And when I say a trigger, uh, I'm gonna use a, a limb clicker or a limb mounted clicker. It's basically um, a apparatus that has a string that attaches to your string and then back to your limb and when you hit your correct draw length, uh there's this little piece of metal that clicks and it's also called a psycho trigger um i used it more of a, a draw length check than a psycho trigger but I, I did not use it my first full year i put one on once i didn't i didn't like it and i shot decent enough um and then when i in 2018 i put one on And I was like, man, this thing's great. It definitely tightened up the groups. But what had happened in that time is no one had trained me to get the damn thing off of my bow. They just trained me to get it on my bow. And as I say that, um, there needs to be a plan or a goal in mind, meaning if you have to put a clicker on, it's a training aid. Because what eventually will happen is it becomes a trigger to collapse or you'll get clicker panic. And it may take a while. But if you don't have a plan of attack to get it off your bow, you will become a slave to that clicker, and you will not be able to shoot without having one on. And, Dwayne, I'm going to hand it over to you now because you can speak way more intelligently about this stuff than I can. Uh, but I'll go into my story more in depth later as far as the, the crisis that happened as I left the clicker on too long. But uh, go ahead, Dwayne. Talk a little bit about it.
1: Uh, what I see going on today in competition archery, and I don't want to be very clear about something to everybody who's listening. I'm not on here to beat up any one person or any method of thinking or any, you know, group of people. I just think we are way too willing when we make a bad shot or two or have a bad weekend. We are way too willing to put a clicker on our bow. When just a little bit of help, a little bit of mental control, maybe blind belling, maybe tweaking your method a little bit, uh, I think that's the answer instead of just automatically putting a clicker on your bow. Uh, The problem that I had when I put a clicker on my bow years ago I had to panic like most of us get at one time or the other. And soon as I seen the arrow get to the target, I wanted to dump it. And that's using a sight picture as a trigger. And that's not so good either. Uh, but, you know, what I see people, you know, the, the the origination of the clicker in my mind was a training aid. You put it on your bow. You work through some problems and you try to get off of it. And, you know, the Olympic guys, they use a draw check because they're shooting, you know, 70 meters. If, if they short the draw cycle by a quarter inch or a half inch, then, you know, they've missed the target either high or low. And, you know, my idea of a clicker is put it on, use it, perfect your form, you know, you get used to seeing the tip of the arrow floating around inside the tin ring, then execute the shot. You do that for a while and you your brain gets kinda used to it, kinda becomes old news, and then you eventually you can take it off for a little bit. And then maybe you have to go back to it and to work out another problem. But in my opinion, I don't you know the the biggest problem I have with a clicker is the mentality today is people put on a clicker and just plan on keeping it on there forever, and I mean I don't think it's a great idea.
0: I'm in a total agreement, and as as I say before, like uh, when I said before about not having a plan. Uh, Tom Tom Clum is is um, you know very close friend of mine, and, and he he's been my coach. He lives by me, and his family have helped a ton out. There is a couple times and Tom does not push things on me, but I'm glad that I put the clicker on when I when I did. Uh, definitely helped me get my crap together a little bit. the and and there was one point in time Tom and I went and shot and my clicker came off. and uh, when I say came off, you know, sticky came off the limb and and uh, so on and so forth. and I was a mental wreck on uh, on those 20 targets. And when I got done, my brain works a little bit differently, maybe than others. My first thing was, Jesus Christ, if I can't shoot an arrow without a clicker on, I've got problems. Like, this is not, you know, I don't want to be like, I got to take ibuprofen to go to the gym, right? Or I got, you know, this is something that I need to get, get rid of and just use for, for practice. And Tom told me, he's like, man, you should, you should practice without that thing on and see how it goes. I still didn't take it off. I, 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 I kind of, dug myself in deeper of, okay, I'm going to get better tape for the clicker. I'll have backups. I'm going to mark this at no time in my mind. And I'm not blaming anybody, but myself, was there this plan and exit strategy? I never had this. Okay. This is how I'm going to get this clicker off because I don't want to be at a point where if I'm going through the brush in Alaska, my clicker rips off that now I'm panicked that I can't make the shot. And so after a certain amount of time, I started to get a little bit of micro collapses. Uh, you could see, like in real slow mo, nothing crazy, but it was like the uh, the entry, the gateway drug, right? That that micro collapse would have turned into something else. I talked with uh, you know, I talked with Tom, I talked with Rod Jenkins and Randy Cooling a little bit, and they were like, "Dude, get it off! Like, take the clicker off and do not become a slave to it." What I worry about with all the different Uh, talk of clickers today going off of my experience as well as others is the exit strategy it's great for a trainer
1: totally i totally agree right there
0: and and when i say an exit strategy what i've started to do and i'd be interested to get your take on this i have one bow set up with a clicker and one without and then i have a and those are both 58 pounds and i have a 15 pound bow uh the 15 pound bow is obviously just for for training and I'll go out and I'll shoot a few arrows with a clicker. I'll go out, grab the other bow, shoot a few arrows without. I'll go shoot a 20 target course with a clicker. I'll shoot a 20 target course without because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I, I don't use the clicker for hunting anymore. I, I, I didn't all last year. I just, if I have it on my bow, I lengthen it because what happens in a hunting situation, whether people admit it or not, if you're thinking about please click, please click, you're not thinking about the shot. That you need to be thinking about. You're thinking about the clicker, which can screw shit up badly. Uh, and the same thing I'm assuming happens in tournaments, or can. If you're thinking nothing about the clicker, you're certainly not thinking about what you should be thinking about.
1: Right. Yeah. I and mean, you know, here's here's one of the biggest issues that, that that we as a traditional competitive community is facing today is people showing up at an event and shooting a class that it's illegal to shoot a clicker or a tab sear or a grip sear or anything else. You know, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it macaroni and cheese for all I care. But when you're pulling something out of a groove, it's a version of a clicker. And that's what IBO deems. Uh, You know, if, if you want to use a clicker, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not hating on anybody because they use a clicker or a tab sear or a grip sear or anything else. You know, just shoot it in a class that is allowed. You know, don't show up at, in you know in a, in a recurve class that doesn't allow a clicker and hide this thing from your competitors. And you know, I've always been. I've had very strong Christian values my whole life. If I feel like i got to hide something from somebody, it probably ain't the right thing to do.
0: No, and I, I I agree with that. I, I think uh, kind of taking a big step back as people are listening to this, because there's going to be people listen to this podcast that hear exactly what they want to hear. There's going to be people in this podcast that listen to it and they hear everything. And there's going to be some people that skip through and just don't give a shit because they don't care about clickers or, or anything we're talking about. And so. when I say, you know how life is, right? People are going to say, hop on here, and they're going to say, that's bullshit, Snyder uses a clicker, and he's saying they suck. No, that is not what I fucking said. I said they are very important if you need one, but have an exit strategy. Or you will become a slave to the clicker, which will eventually spiral down the crapper, and and you'll start to collapse more and, and, and put, get yippy when the clicker goes off. My thing is... If, if someone's teaching you mental control um, and someone's in tr- their mental control the way they they their band-aid for that is a clicker, then they didn't really teach you mental control because you have to have the clicker to have mental control. If you have true mental control, you do not need a clicker uh, if you if you are truly in control of your shot in in my opinion and that's what I had to work on I didn't truly have. Full mental control. So if you're trying to do a grip sear, a string clicker, um, you know, the palm clicker and and you're using that uh, and you cannot shoot a shot without it, then you do not have mental control. And if someone is teaching you mental control by throwing Band-Aids on stuff, then they're not truly teaching you the full spectrum mental control you need for a shot. That's not to say they shouldn't teach you or put a clicker on your bow. If you need one, I get it. It's the fact you need an exit strategy to where you drill, you work on form, and you work on your mental game to where in the moment of truth it could matter not if there's a clicker on your bow or not. That That is kind of what I'm wanting to focus on uh, so people don't get wrapped around. Like, no one's hating on anything Right. long
1: term.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point because I don't think anybody's going to say a clicker doesn't work. You'd be arguing with some fundamentals that –
1: uh, clicker uh, works it's just that right. simple it works
2: yep and i don't know if you remember the, the linear shot sequence video that was released in 2020 Dwayne, by chris hill and yes. darren i don't know if you've seen it but that that video is you know not a great video but it's on youtube but the content is gold and it probably changed more top archers forms last year than anything else and after hunting season um i had a few coaching sessions with chris hill where he watched me shoot you know live or via zoom and His, I told him, it was, this is right after the mule deer hunt, Aaron. I told Chris, I said, hey, I have really bad target panic. And he watched me shoot for a while. He said, you don't have really bad target panic. He goes, you have really bad alignment. You have no confidence in your ability. And we've got to fix that first. And this is from, you know, an Olympic archer, right? And he, he went on to say that he felt like, um, me diagnosing myself as having target panic was not uncommon when you actually just don't have confidence in your shot. His gear was to focus on my alignment first and then we focused on uh you know positioning the the shot uh in, in the appropriate place so that I don't have an immediate trigger. And I think that's a really important point because we often hear to focus on the mental side first and not our form. And when I had this coaching session with an Olympian he was the exact opposite. And uh, when I did get my alignment stronger and that float got, you know, really small and my shot improved, confidence is what uh, helped me the most. I don't know if you guys see the same thing or not. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Yep, totally. Because I don't, I don't, I know I've, I've read most of you guys, both of you have said the same thing, confidence, 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 whether it be competition and hunting. And when you draw parallels between Snyder and Dwayne, it's worth highlighting in like a yellow mental highlighter, right? Like this, there must be something about confidence, but neither one of you have really that I have found ha- online have really drilled into what confidence in your shot means. And um, I think if we could, if we could get into that here, that would add some clarity to folks because people looking to get off these triggers need to understand what tr- genuine confidence means and, and, and then take that step forward. Cause both of you say the exact same thing.
0: I'm going to, chime in with my two cents and give a couple scenarios um i I already brought it up once if you're on a a mountain goat or a brown bear grizzly hunt something with thick brush whatever elk in north idaho and if that clicker gets ripped off and that is literally like you forgetting your wallet losing your cell phone if you chew and you don't and you've run out and you're that panicked over it it's a good uh indication that you're you, you don't have mental control if, if that's crisis, if you've ripped it off and you're like, "Oh well, whatever, and move on, yeah, you're good. Well, let's say if you are using a specific tab for a shot process, or if you are, I don't know, whatever clicker psycho trigger you decide, and something goes wrong with that, meaning you lose your tab or what you know you pick it. And that has totally transformed you from one type of shooter to another. You don't have the mental control. And I'm not saying this like I'm perfect. I am working on it now because I did do that. I was in positions to where I would rip my clicker off or something would go wrong and I would be totally lost in the sauce, like mentally just a wreck because of this stupid little string and metal blade to where, you know, the last, mm, I'd say year, and Randy Cooling and I talk a lot about this, the last year... I really worked on all hunting situations, no clicker, practice at home, uh, go to a 3D tournament, take it off, and, and, you know, it's keeping that, you know, high 170 type score with or without the clicker to where I knew no matter what, I wasn't in mental jeopardy uh, if anything happened. I would say that tournaments would be the same way, uh, I would think, but I, Dwayne, you want to chime in on that?
1: Yeah, they are, and I mean, it's all based, Aaron, you said it best, it's all based on how you practice. I mean, if you walk out in your backyard and your mind, which is the strongest organ we got, is our mind.
0: Or the weakest.
1: Or the weakest. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, you know, it's, it's all based on how you practice. When I go out in the backyard, because i got a I got 25, 28 targets set up in the backyard all different distances. If I go out there and I just sling arrows, I'm not building confidence. I'm building muscle But I'm not building confidence that I can place the arrow exactly where I want it to be. And, you know, shooting a traditional bow, you got to be within reason. I mean, the chance of us shooting BBs at 30 yards is pretty slim. But, you know, how I set up and how I build confidence. Number one, i got to have a fairly well-tuned bow. You know, I bear shaft. That gives me a ton of confidence and I bear shaft at max distance, which for me is 33 yards. And when I can get that bear shaft right in the middle of those fletched arrows, then to me, that proves to me I can do a lot wrong and still hit the 10 ring. just because my bear shaft with no fletching on it. Once I put fletching on it, it only gets better. Building confidence to me is a very easy method. I mean, it is simply, I don't like having a bunch of stuff going through my head at full draw. To me, when you get to full draw, that is like church. That should be sacred ground. It shouldn't. You shouldn't have 35 different things going through your head. To me, at full draw, it's putting the tip of the arrow where it needs to be And simply pulling through the shot. It ain't worrying about whether I'm in my back or if my rumboid is exposed or if it's getting pulled or if I'm, you know, if I'm just, it's just stop it. I mean, it's it's just, you know, we get too busy at full draw. At full draw, you know, you need to make sure you're in good alignment. Make sure your anchor is perfect, but You know, that really is up to full draw, but at full draw, there should be very little going through your head. You know, it shouldn't be the 17 step process at full draw and, you know, to me that builds confidence.
0: Go into that in a little more depth as far as uh, I've tried to explain this to people. The human brain's only going doing good at doing one thing at a time. Well, and when I say that, I'm not saying people can't, you know, there's always unicorns and everything else. But if you're focusing on hand movement to make a, a, a trigger or a seer go off or you're focused on thinking about the clicker clicking and you're focused about multiple different uh, things in the process, th- the human brain does not um, function well doing that. If, from my experience, it need, you need to be thinking about one thing, not multiple things. Dive into that a little bit you know, more and some of the downsides of that and where that's really going to show up more. Usually, not usually, always, under-pressure situations is where it's really going to, whether it's an animal in front of you or in a tournament. You know, talk about that a little bit more and what you've seen or where that's maybe bit you in the ass before, you know, as you kind of coming up through the tournament ranks.
1: You know, it's always, your brain is always going to do something to shortcut. That's what it does. It don't like holding 58 pounds at full draw. You, know, you can be in the gym every day, you can have all the muscles in the world, but when you put that much pressure on your shoulders, your brain is looking for a way to relieve the pressure. And the first thing it wants to do is short, is start shortcutting your method. And you know I've been shooting a bow my whole life whether it was compound or traditional and you know for me at full draw you need as little as possible to think about for me it's always i'm going to judge the distance i'm going to set the gap whether it's gap at the target whether i'm string walking down the string i'm going to pull the bow back i'm going to put to the tip of the arrow exactly where it belongs and I'm going to execute the shot. And executing a shot for me is simply filling my back, tighten up a touch, and then it's gone. And I mean, this all happens in seconds. You know, it, even the Olympic guys, they train, you know, if, if you can't get that shot off in seven seconds, let it down. You know, when you're under extreme pressure, I have shot under extreme pressure in the competition world, not on grizzly bears like you have, but you know, your brain, you can trick your brain into thinking pressure is just in the backyard. But, you know, when you're under extreme pressure, less is better.
0: Kind of paralleling that on the hunting side of things, it, it's all the same to me. It's just different. I mean, pressure is pressure, right?
1: Pressure is pressure. Exactly.
0: If you are on a, um, you know, a picket, a, a backcountry hunt that's over the counter and you've went in 11 miles, uh, you're on your 10th day, you're running out of food, and you've got a 32-yard shot in a 30-degree uh, cliffs. right? Your 30-degree shot, 30 yards, whatever, and you are focusing on the clicker going off and not focusing on the shot, um, that's a problem. And I'm saying this from experience. Like, I've, I've had this happen to where, that was my main goal was to, to worry about nothing but the shot, not worry about the clicker going off. You know, now I will say, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, keep pulling. I, I, you know, I've, I think, uh, Rod Jenkins is who I stole that from when in doubt, keep pulling. Uh, and he said that, what's that?
1: That's exactly right. When in doubt, pull harder.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I almost, you know, to, to me, when I've talked to guys about this, I'm like, look, dude, you're probably not going to get that clicker to go off at a 30 degree angle down or uphill if you set it uh, because of the human body on flat ground. Now there's probably people going to listen in and say that's not true. And I'm going to say, I can't wait till I'm over your shoulder guiding you. I'm going to be listening for the clicker because it ain't going off. And and if you're the one, you're the only one because I haven't seen it. But what you can do is get real damn close to what you would be as far as perfect, you know, to, when I say perfect, the exact draw length, keep pulling, execute your shot, execute good back tension, execute a good follow through. You don't have to have the clicker for that. If you get to a point where you do, you are gonna flub the shot up, and it's the same in tournaments, I'm sure. And I've only shot local tournaments and some out of state, but nothing at your level. But I've shot a lot of tournaments with a compound. When you when pressure hits, that is when all the demons come out. When when higher pressure hits. And if you have to have a clicker to control that pressure, and this is what I'm working on, I need to reassess the situation, and I've got to work on my own game because the clicker shouldn't fix it. My brain should. I should be able to control the shot with my brain, not with a piece of metal. And that's where I worry about people getting in trouble because I think you will get in trouble in the long run. Not only that, it's also illegal in some aspects as far as tournament archery, but if you have to use that, you're really not getting mental control.
1: Right, yeah. yep.
0: And I think we're at a point now in the
2: conversation where another common answer both of you give in two completely different worlds when asked this question, well, people are, who are listening now will say, okay, how do I get there? And Aaron's common answer is string time. And um, Dwayne's common answer is you've got to put in the work. And I believe there's confusion around this in the community because of the lack of articulation whenever that question comes up. So would you guys be willing to go through what your practice regiment looks like? Or, Dwayne, and I know your answer when it goes in depth, the discipline you require in practice, because I know you have me thinking in a way every shot you're taking a step. You're either taking a step toward a perfect shot or you're taking a step away from a perfect shot can you guys walk through what you mean when you say string time? Because string time to 99% of people, including myself until I had the pleasure of interviewing you guys just meant flinging arrows. And, and I was actually moving myself in the wrong direction.
0: Got gotcha. Dwayne, go ahead. If you want to start out, uh, and then I'll, I'll take it over when you're done.
1: Sure. To me, I mean, when I tell people, you know, you just got to do the work. And I know that's very vague. I know it's very, Open ended, and some people maybe not under, you know, don't understand it, and I'm probably not great at explaining it. But to me, you know, I, I get people all the time that will call me or sec, send me a message or whatever, and say, I just can't get above this score, whether it's dots, 3D, whatever. And I, and I and I tell them, we'll quit shooting the bad shots, and they laugh, and I'm like, I'm serious, quit shooting the bad shots. And how you know it's going to be a bad shot is repetition. You know, you set up every single shot the correct way. You know, you start with your feet, your grip, your string hand. You know, you pull the bow to alignment. You put the tip of the arrow at the spot you want to hit, and then you execute the shot. But in the backyard, once again, this all starts in the backyard. There's no reason... Going out in the backyard and just shooting a hundred shots. You don't need to shoot a hundred shots, number one, unless you're learning originally. But for the most part, you know, you do everything with a purpose. You know, you when you pull the bow back, that bow was moving. You can't shoot a shot when the bow was still moving, when it's rocking and rolling. You've got to let the bow settle. Do I do everything right every time? No, I don't. I shot a tournament this weekend and missed two targets. Totally missed two targets. And it was a local tournament. Was it a good learning experience? You bet. But for me, you know, doing the work is simply doing every step of my process, my method, correctly. And sometimes I'll pull the bow back and I'll make a shot, and I'm like, you idiot. You knew that was not going to be right, and you decided to shoot it anyhow. And when you do shoot the bow and you know what's wrong, you've just rewarded yourself for making a bad shot, you know, by shooting the shot. And to me, doing the work is being mentally strong enough to put the tip of the arrow inside the eleven. And watching it sit there, just watching it stay inside the 11, you know, I do a lot of drills. I do a lot of nothing but aiming drills. You have to get used to seeing the tip of the arrow in the spot you want to hit, because that is most people's trigger on when to shoot. And that's not the time to shoot. Right. Your your brain will confuse you. It will play tricks on you that as soon as the arrow gets to that 11, that's the time to dump it. Well, that is not the time to dump it. That's the worst time to dump it because everything's still moving.
0: Right.
1: You'll get by with it every now and then, but mental control on the shot, you know, requires drills. It requires drills of seeing the tip of the arrow get to the 11 and just watching it, just looking at it.
2: So I guess I have two questions, then, to, just to clarify. So how what if you had to estimate, and I know you don't have an exact percentage, but w- how often do you think you let down, Dwayne,
1: in practice? Uh, not as much as I should, but in practice. That's, that's everybody,
0: Dwayne. Nobody yeah, lets yeah. down as much as they should.
1: Because, you know, I'm, I'm a man. You know, I'm stubborn. It's like reading directions. Nobody wants to read the directions. I know where it's at. Right. But, you know, in the backyard – I let down probably fifteen percent of the time.
2: Fifteen percent of the time, yeah. Yeah, and then it's
1: fifteen out of a hundred shots. Not great.
2: That's but. a lot more than the average guy like myself. So, I, and I think that's a differentiator, right? Is never letting a perfect, having the discipline to not let a, per, a less than perfect shot go. And the well, second thing I'll highlight from what you say there, because I've heard you answer this question multiple times, and it, and it, and I pay attention to the responses and the answers, and I think what people lose in this translation. The way Dwayne practices, and I think we'll see a common theme here, is very boring. It's not fun. Like shooting drills is not a fun. Flinging arrows is fun. We all started this because we love flinging arrows. Right. And I, and this is probably my current biggest problem: having the discipline to say, "All right, I have an hour to shoot today. I'm going to spend it doing things that aren't fun." And uh, I think that's one thing that we just we don't that doesn't get translated well so hopefully we can we can just get that out in this podcast. I think you guys do a lot more drill shooting than the average internet archer like myself.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would say drilling is a lot like practicing judging yardage unless you're gambling while you're practicing judging it's not fun. Um no- uh, Now gambling with it is fun and and Dwayne it sounds like you can judge well. So if you want to, you know, gamble with me, that, is, that will make judging fun. It's like a dollar a yard. You can get real rich real quick by a guy who thinks he can judge. Cause if he's off by 10 yards on five targets, that's 10 bucks a target. Yep. It's golden. That's
2: wrong. <laughs> um, Aaron, same question for you. And, I, and this came out this turkey season when I'd missed a bird and you responded back when you practice, you practice in tree stands, you practice in blinds, you practice in actual situations. And of course I practice downstairs in my indoor shooting lane. So I went out and set up my 3d Turkey target outside of my blind and learned how to shoot out of the blind. Can you walk us through your, the kind of the same approach or the same question?
0: Yeah, I'll go through, uh, which is a bit more in depth than, uh, you know what Dwayne had gone through, but I'm also, um, analytical in a lot of ways. So generally for me practicing, there will be days, not days, there will be a section of time and, and keep, I have a 40 target course at my house. I'll walk downstairs and I'll grab my bow and I'll draw back on 15 animals and I won't shoot one shot. I'll aim, everything will be perfect and I'll let down. Something I did with a compound, it's just, yep, I can let down whenever I want and it could be the you know, holding as steady as I've ever held. And I'm not saying people should do this, but it definitely lets you know, yep, I am in control. And, I, and I, I'm i not going to shoot this arrow. I've chosen not to. I'm just drawing back. And, and some people might argue with that methodology or mentality. But sometimes I'll do that. Other times I'll walk downstairs and I will literally at five feet over and over and over, whether it's with my 15-pound bow or my 58-pound bow, I film myself, and I'm just working on keeping good tension, hand against my face, and, and, and with with no, as Dwayne had mentioned, I'm not looking at the tip of the arrow as much, meaning it, there I can see it, but I'm not aiming at anything. I am just working on form. And then I'll go out, and I'll go to, I have a 40-yard. I have uh, two small targets and two big ones at 40. I'll walk out at 40 to shoot a Reinhardt 18-1, and one. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop one arrow. This is a 200-inch mule deer. I get one shot. And I'm going to try to put as much pressure under on myself as I possibly can with it being a small target. You know, it's not an animal. And I'm going to execute one good shot. And I, I physically torture myself. So if I'm like, all right, if I don't make a good shot, I'm going to knock out 50 push-ups. Or I'm going to run up and down this godforsaken hill that I live on or whatever. And I I, I do things like this to keep it to to parallel it to hunting as much as, as possible. Because believe me, people don't think about it. You miss a mule deer nine miles in and you're three miles from camp, push-ups are the last thing you're worried about. you got to walk back to camp with no water, very little food, shitty weather and lightning. It's There's physical punishment involved with not keeping in control of your shot.
1: I was thinking, yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what's even – Cause I hunt some I don't hunt a tremendous amount I bird hunt a lot but I don't I don't bow hunt a tremendous amount anymore uh, but you know the best thing you know the best thing you can have happen if you're not going to kill the animal is just to flat out miss it and you know I've shot an animal because I've hunted a lot in my past I've shot an animal in the butt I've shot it in the leg I've shot it in the guts as we all have and that is so much worse than than just flat out missing one. And, you know, when you shoot an animal and it runs off wounded because you've crapped up the shot, then, you know, to me, that's always, you know, dang, I got to change something. And that's what hit rock bottom for me, and I'm sure Aaron was the same way. You got tired of missing animals, you got tired of shooting them in the guts, or you got tired of losing a tournament or whatever, and, you know, we you got to make a change.
0: You, you do. And I, you know, what I, I, the video doesn't lie. You know, that is one thing that I am very stringent and my wife probably hates it. If I'm having a bad day and my mag, my aero flight magically changed, yeah, I, the aero flight didn't change. I'm doing something stupid. And so I'll have her slow mo video me as a big slap in the face. I can't lie. I'm looking at myself, I'm watching, I'm dissecting. And I'm like, oh, going back to the drawing board, and I'll go blind bail shoot or blank bail, whatever you want to call it. And what I'm doing right now and I have for the last year is integrating not using the clicker, and that's important. Everything I'm doing I will do with the clicker on at one of my bows and without it because I should be able to walk out to 40 yards and, and, you know, within reason I can keep it when I'm shooting good in a softball, easily in an eight ring at 40. Okay, well, if I can't do that with the clicker off, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to drill more. So I should be able to walk out door, that door, let the bow down if I want, shoot with the clicker on my bow if I want, no micro collapses, or shoot without the clicker on my bow. I should be able to execute the shot the same no matter what in any situation to have true mental control. And what I'm seeing nowadays and obviously I'm this is both compound and trad, but if you're putting band-aids on bullet wounds for mental control, you don't have mental control. You have a lot of band-aids. I was putting band-aids on issues that I should have been drilling and working on form and so on and so forth. Because if if your your first fix is a clicker, and that's it. You've got problems. You have no road to recovery. Alcoholics just don't one day wake up and say, I'm not going to drink. That's why there's a 12-step process. That's why there's meetings. You've got to have an exit strategy or you're not controlling shit. And what I'm seeing now is guys pushing hard about, uh, you know, having this crazy, never make a bad shot, never do this. But you've put a clicker on your bow to fix it. Well, that's still not a bad shot, but you're, you've got a Band-Aid on there for your, your you know, your your solid mind, your, 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 your strength in your shooting, there's a bandaid on that. And that is not true control.
1: Correct. I agree.
0: As, as we're talking about this, I am not blasting anyone. I am going through what I went through. And the reality of it is, is I had to take a big step back. And, and like you said earlier, we're all men, right? We all got penises and we are all incapable of admitting we got problems or most of us are was. Really, I just sat down and I wrote down a list. And I'm like, okay, what have I got going strong? I'm a good aimer. I can aim like crazy. I got a good bow arm. Whatever. All right, what's my issues? Okay, well, the the clicker was one. I got to have that clicker on. That's number one on the list. Two, I pluck the string sometimes. So what I started doing is getting up against the wall real close. If my hand touched the wall when I released, well, I'm doing push-ups. I'm mentally causing effect. I am now as I've said that I've pushed up my way into some front shoulder issues from doing too many obviously I got problems right I, I try to mentally be like shock therapy for a dog if the dog runs out of the yard he gets shocked right that's how my brain works like I've told Tom this and I tell you Dwayne hey man if I do something bad punch me right in the kidney that's how my brain works I need that oh yep all right cause and effect oh, yep, my kidney hurts that was a bad shot not everybody works that way but if you're using that clicker or a grip sear for more than training it's a band-aid and i think
2: that ties back into those band-aids kind of you're building a house of or at least for me you build a house of cards so that whenever you do finally it works in the backyard and then the first time in your life you see a 180 class mule deer you shank the shot right all your band-aids fall
0: apart that actually happened
2: cody well i yeah it's not fiction all right i don't i don't i don't (laughs) I don't learn from fiction, unfortunately, Uh, but the the key here to me is, because I'm in the process of rebuilding a shot, is I didn't understand what confidence meant, even though both of you had said at different times, confidence is what's required, right? And after I started to learn what confidence meant, then I didn't know how to get genuine confidence because it's so easy, and I guess this is the third part of my question, to create Uh, you know, how social media can kind of poison the mind. Like if I take a picture of my good groups and post them on social media, I can create this view of myself as a great shot and to others. And that's another deck of cards in the house of cards that will crumble when you're actual (laughs) under pressure because you start creating. And I know Dwayne, you're very careful about what you post on social media but if, if, you, if you're posting this persona online and then it's time for you to step up when everybody's watching you and shoot, and you don't match that image that you've built, you're going to have a world of problems come down on you. And, uh, yes. And, yeah, and, and that, not... that, that hurts your confidence as well.
1: Oh, it does. And, I mean, anything you post on social media, especially right before a big event, you know, if I go out there and I'm going to Vegas – and every post that I put on social media is three arrows inside the X-ring at 18 meters, then when I get to Vegas, that's what everybody expects, including me. And when I can't do it, and trust me, I can't do it. I couldn't do it with the compound, much less a bare bow. <laughs> well, right, you have right. to yourself up. There's enough pressure at a big shoot, just like – the world archery events that we shoot overseas all the time. You know, the one in Italy, I'm sorry, France, and the one in Canada. You have got so much stacked against you that the last thing you need is a bunch of stuff that you have created, like, you know, somewhat false, fake, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, post on Facebook you know about this or that or the groups or your is judging or you know whatever. You just got to be you just got to be very careful,
2: right? And and it's not that good people are prone to do that. I made that mistake. You don't have to be a, a blatant liar to do to create that false image and then it come bite you back. It's easy for a normal person to fall into that. Yep. And uh, I know Aaron, you've you've had. Uh, I bring this up because we could create a poll right now on Facebook. And ask people what their comfortable shooting range is. And everyone will say 30 to 35 yards. And, and we, and that creates this image, right? Or this, this persona. And then you're the guide and you spend a lot of time guiding people. And you walked me through this when we were hunting last year in the Davis Mountains. Like the gap between what I see on online versus
0: capability and real life as
2: you're sitting behind somebody's shoulder is night and day.
0: It, it It is. I mean, and probably part of it is I'm the one behind their shoulder, which doesn't uh, really help. But I, I think that uh, off the subject, you know, you need to have a short term memory, uh, which I'm, thank God, gifted with. Um, I'm not saying I don't care about the animal. You need to slough off a miss. You need to slough off a bad day at the range. Uh, you Absolutely. need to have the mental control to say, ah, shit happens. And yes. rather than. Blaming your gear, blaming whatever, you know, people blame all kinds of shit. You blame yourself, and you do the you do the work. You get in there, and you knock it out. You figure out what went wrong, assess, and then go back to the drawing board and fix it. It's up to you. No one else is in control of that. You are your, your you're in charge of your own destiny. So if you have a, a bad hunt, you miss an animal, you lose a tournament, just go back and work harder. Go back, and when I say work harder, just don't start flinging... F- I'm trying not to drop F-bombs. Don't just start flinging arrows over and over and over, you know, grinding bad habits in your brain. Get out there and actually drill and work on what your issues are. And that goes for hunting or, um, you know, for tournaments. When I say that, when I shoot a course, when I'm like right now, because I really don't want you or Dan to beat shit out of me if you guys come out to this team shoot, every target I write down what I scored, where I missed, what happened, and i when i get done with 20 targets i look and say okay what happened here all right i just mentally lost my shit on this shot i i shot six tens afterwards all right that's good i was able to wrap my you know get a, get a hold of myself i didn't let it or if you see a guy go 10 12 10 10 12 5 and then he's 8 10 8 8 10 that 5 fucked him up that that hurt hey, him man. mentally. yeah right. and and people are like i can't believe you put that much effort when I, well I want to get better, right? I'm not out there that's to right. lose. And so I'm doing what I know to do to to better myself. And that's not to say I'm not going to lose, because I will. It's not to say I'm not going to miss an animal, because I'm going to. It's what you do after that happens that really makes up who you are as a shooter. And in my opinion, do you take your black eye, go home, and become stronger and better? Or do you throw a bunch of Band-Aids and make excuses on it? I think you'd be better at putting in the work. And to highlight what
2: these two guys are saying, because they both come completely different angles in archery, but they're saying the same thing. They both understand because they document their true capability, and they don't set expectations beyond their true capability. They go to the hunt, and Aaron expects to shoot his capability. Dwayne goes to a shoot and expects to shoot his capability. If, If Cody has taken pictures of himself on Instagram and has himself believing that he can shoot tens all the time, and I throw a five on the first target. Guess what? My confidence is gone. First target or first mule deer I miss. Second mule deer I miss. My confidence is gone. I can know I'm going to have a tough time pulling myself together because I had that house of cards. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of structuring that conversation, but I, I hope people can understand when you guys both say confidence, what it, it means genuine confidence. And that doesn't mean you have to shoot 11s every time. You could be confident that you can shoot vitals every time or eights every time, and you'll, it'll never shake you up if you don't hit that 10 or you don't hit that heart, right, because you're, you're shooting within your capability. So both of these guys are saying they understand their exact true capability, and they don't set expectations beyond that because that's that's a massive, massive you step down the wrong direction.
1: You've got to be realistic in your expectations. I mean, you know, we don't use a sight... We don't use a mechanical release. We don't have stabilizers hanging three feet off the front of our bow. Uh, draw you know, stops and draw stops and everything else. <laughs> and I mean, we got to be realistic. You know, uh, even a compound archer's got to be realistic that he'll never outshoot a guy with a rifle and a scope. Uh, you know, we got to be realistic. Am I aiming at the eleven on every single shot? You bet. But it ain't going to crush me if I don't hit the eleven if i don't hit the 10 even if i'm in the 5 hey it's a game that i play i'm very realistic no matter how much i win or how much i lose it's not going to change my lifestyle right you know how I got go to
0: work tomorrow. you can tell walking up to tournaments and, and i'm speaking a lot more towards my compound days i just don't all i've shot is some local shoots but with a stick but so i don't want to exaggerate you know where i'm at but you walk up, target seven is a, well, I'm not going to use a compound distance, 31-yard turkey. Are you looking at that saying, man, that is, an, that, that is a shot right there. This is a good one. Or are you looking at that saying, son of a, I can't believe they put that turkey that far. Well, you've already lost. If you walk up, and, and you may not tend the turkey, but if you walk up and you feel confident in your ability and you're, you look at that shot like, yep, we all got to shoot from the same stake, I'm going to crush. That's right. Yep. I'm going to crush this thing. If you not walk right. up and start whining, you've already lost, right? You, you got to have good yeah. mental discipline, not just in your shot, but how you judge. Uh, you know, same thing with an animal. You know, you got to have, when I say an animal, meaning hunting, it's the same way. And rather than look at things on the downside, look at them on the upside, meaning, again, a, a, a raccoon, 31-yard raccoon. Well, you know what? I'm looking at that. I'm going to make the best shot I can. If I hit a five, I've probably still done better than most because most are going to miss it. I just need to execute my shot.
1: Exactly, and honestly, it's all about a mind frame. It's all about the glass being half full, never half empty. You know, it's it's all about how you enter how you enter the competition, how you enter the woods. You know, you we all going to make a bad shot. I mean, it's just... It's just what we do. I mean, eventually you're going to make a bad shot, whether it's on a target or an animal. Hopefully on an animal, you'll just flat out miss it instead of making a a, 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 a non-lethal shot. But it's all how you handle it after the fact.
0: No, you're, you're right. And, and again, being honest with yourself is important. This is hunting or or, or tournaments. If your paper plate size group is as good as you get out to 30 and you've shot within that, um, you know, your, your, your ability that day, and you get your ass whooped by five or six guys, but you still shot inside your ability, take that home as a victory and go practice
1: more. Absolutely, you, absolutely,
0: yes. And I, I've shot with guys that are, are just not at, at, a, at a level as some of the other guys that were in the group and they were getting down on themselves. And I'm like, dude, you're shooting up compared to normal. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I shoot with you. You are shooting better than you normally do. Stop whining. Be happy. You're shooting. You're shooting better than you normally do. And just assess what you need to do to be better. What 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 problems are you having, man? I just shooting around you guys. It's, it's I just get nervous. All right. Well, you know what you need to work on. You know, don't go home and say I'm going to get better and fling 400 arrows at the same distance and the same target. That's not going to help. You know, no. You gotta dissect where your where your problem children are and go from there. No different than anything else, whether it be weightlifting or fighting or anything. You gotta work on your weak points. If you keep working on your strong points, they just become stronger and your weak points still suck. You gotta work on weak points.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, I, I shot a tournament a couple of weeks ago. I shot a phenomenal score. One of the best scores I've ever shot in my life. Wasn't good enough to win, but I didn't leave that That place upset because I lost. I still shot, you know, well over a nine, about a nine and a half average on, you know, 40 targets. I got beat. I come in second. But I was okay with that because I shot almost to my potential. I mean, I felt like I didn't leave no points out there. But what did I do? I went home. I'm like, what can I do to make myself better? That's solid gold.
0: A, a good example, when I talked to Cody about trying to get you uh, and Dan and some other shooters to this team shoot, was uh, in my brand. I'm a very competitive person. I, I was like, man, I want to shoot right beside him. I, I, I need an ass whooping, and um, I, I want to see what I can do side-by-side side against a Dwayne Martin. Or, or Sure. And if you have a mentality you're nervous around competition in comparison to – I mean, I'm, I'm a very competitive person and I want, I want to shoot beside you. One, um, you know, I can learn things one, two, I can see how do I stack up against a Dwayne Martin and did my mental game hold up? Right. And what do I need to work on if Dwayne kicks my ass? No, that's right. Yep. One of the greatest,
1: one of the absolute greatest learning experiences for me I, the first year I went to Louisville, I showed up shooting a Black Widow bow and a big old fat carbon arrow. And I was shooting a guy against guys with bare bow rigs and stabilizers, no sights. It was still bare bow. But I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this guy shoot. And every time his bow goes off, it sounds like a cannon where he is pulling so hard on this bow. This guy's four years older than I am shooting 54 pounds off the fingers. And he don't shoot three under. He shoots two under. He sits there at 20 yards. He puts nine arrows, big old fat car, uh, aluminum arrows, inside a three-inch white circle at 20 yards. I'm like, good Lord. I mean, it just, I was mesmerized. This Alan. Alan Eagleton. Yeah. I walk up to him, the nicest guy in the world. Truly, he is the example. No joke. I walk up to him, shake his hand. We talk for a minute. He said, hey, man, get your bow. Let's shoot. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to shoot beside this guy. I go, and I get my bow, and I watch him pull his bow back, holding 54 pounds off of two fingers, and he holds that bow at full draw, I bet you, for eight seconds. And when he lets it go, it's perfect, every shot. And I'm sitting there going, you know, if he can hold that bow that long, why can't I hold this 36-pound black with a back? I'm younger than he is. I'm shooting three fingers instead of two, and I pull that bow back, and I hold it just like he does. And I learned right then, I can aim that thing. The longer I hold it within reason, the better I can aim it, the better everything gets. And eventually... I was shooting almost as good as him. I didn't win nothing there, but, you know, when you shoot beside the best, you can learn a lot if you're open-minded enough to.
0: And I, I think that's the key is being open-minded. And, and I, you know, try to stay as open-minded as I can. As I, The clicker is a good example. You know, if you had asked me two years ago, should somebody take a clicker off their bow, I'd have been like, hell no, because at that time it was working for me. And then I sure. found that there's issues with it or whatever. But when when you talk about um again, the glass is half full, half empty. Pressure. I and and Cody will add lib to this somewhat. Like I I want to shoot against the best to see where you stack up. Now, am I going to end up shooting a bare bow rig? And you know who knows. But. Yeah, uh, you know, if we if you and I went and shot, uh, Dwayne, and you beat me by six eight points, and I got a hunting bow and you got a tournament bow, and I kept my mental shit together, that's a victory. Yeah, did I victory. beat you? Absolutely. Yeah, no, nah, I didn't beat you, but I shot as close to my potential as I could. I that's didn't, right? You know, I those are all important things that you you know. Just because you didn't win doesn't mean it's not a, always a victory. You can take a lot from an ass whooping. Take yes. a home. <laughs> You
1: will learn more from losing than you will from winning.
0: No, and and, and that's a hundred percent true. Which is one of the reasons I wanted you guys to come up here because I, I do need my ass kicked. Um, and and I just want to see how I uh, stack up against you guys as much so mentally as as anything else. When I say mentally, as man, yeah, I've seen some really good shooters just fall apart under pressure, whether it be an animal in front of them or or in tournament situations because of that mental. You know the the lack of mental control, and obviously shooting against somebody like you, I would be testing my my mental control, um, and I would be testing your ability to handle shit talking because I got a PhD and I probably do my best to throw that out there as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I have learned how to handle <laughs> a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of trash talking on the range because we all give it we all give it to each other pretty hard normally.
0: Oh yeah. Cody, as we're rambling on, you got anything to add? No, I think just a,
2: a summary, because, I mean, I'm living this um, right now, is you guys are, whenever people say confidence, it's genuine confidence. And you can't build confidence on bad form. And there are some great trigger shooters out there. So I don't think anybody's saying triggers are, are completely bad, but I haven't seen a great trigger shooter that has bad form. So you gotta, you've got you got to build off of good form first and build confidence if you're not confident or you're not happy with your genuine capability, which you need to understand, there's a method of practicing that both of you follow that is unique, and that it's a boring method of practicing because you're doing drills. You're not just flinging arrows, and that's really difficult uh, for people to do. And then outside of that, I think to just to recap again, so people understand, you don't walk up to a line, or to a tree stand, or on a hunt. And expect to hit a home run every day. You expect to shoot within your capability, based off what you build, and that all goes back to what I think you guys are saying when you say you got it. You have to have confidence. And um, I you think if people, yeah, if people walk away from this podcast understanding what that means—that you, you, you know, you, you've got to put in the effort because it's not going to come easy. Grinding out two months in the bridge program is not fun, um, and they understand what genuine confidence means. I think people could walk away from here with a good plan. And I think that's really, really valuable.
0: Yes. One thing I, I do want to kind of throw in here, and I always I base this off of it doesn't matter whether it's photography, compound, uh, stick bow, whatever. Uh, right now, who would you say are the top four or five shooter uh, bow shooters in the world right now?
1: In the world, I mean, in my book, in not just the United States, but in the world, it would have to be Eric Johnson, frederick lundmark david jackson john dimmer and myself i mean that's who has you know over the last world archery event in canada that's who you
0: know rose to the top so my next question how many of you guys shoot with a trigger
1: none of us that i'm aware of i know me and john dimmer i shot with david and frederick and eric and to my knowledge none of those guys Shoot with a mechanical trigger, like a tab seer, grip sear. and I'm not saying they have it in the past, but at the world archery events, they didn't that
0: I knew of. I'd be I'd be interested to see. Um, I know, I think, I want to say I heard uh, Joel say something about uh, D- D- Dimmer was blinking or some something or. You know, I, I, I don't I don't know uh, exactly w- what it was, but it was something about that something ha- that something in, in Dimmer's shot sequence was a was some type of a trigger. I don't think blinking could be considered a trigger, but um, I watching uh different shooters and and the one thing I try to base it off of is if you have one guy that does something different than the other nineteen out of the top twenty. So you got 19 guys doing the exact same thing, and one guy doing something different. You probably don't want to base what you're doing off of the unicorn in the group. You, you want to base it off the you know, mean, median, and mode. You want it off the standard. And that was one thing that I talked in depth with with um, you know a few different people when I was trying to get away from this clicker. Was all right. How many uh, of the best shooters in the world use a clicker during tournaments? How many hunters use one? during pressure situations and actually make it click not just have it on your bow I mean that doesn't really count like actually make it click during hunting situation uh and how how important is it you know the bottom line was my mental control was far more important than some clicker on my my bow now as I say that I use the the grip trigger that Tom Clum came up with to help with more than anything consistent grip and when I practice it helps be keeps you honest as far as that goes I keep a limb trigger on or a limb clicker on uh, one is a draw check not as much as a psycho trigger but a draw check and somewhat of a psycho trigger for practice but when the rubber meets the road if I can't stand beside you without a clicker on am I really under my if I can't sti- if I can't stand beside Dwayne Martin and shoot to my best ability without a mechanical device on my bow do I really have mental control and and that's kind of what I base this off of a year, a year ago or so when I was pulling it off of, I don't really have my shit together till I can get this clicker off my bow. Basically is what I'm saying. All right. Yep. I agree. Cody, you're not saying anything that's rare. No, I'm just letting you, I mean, I I don't have a
2: lot to contribute at the level that you guys are speaking. I I, I just want to make sure people understand there's a time and place. Like I'll still run if I'm, if I need to, I'll still run a clicker, right. Or a trigger. Um, I don't run it on every shot because my brain just overrides them really, really fast. And 50 shots, my brain will, will overcome almost anything I put in there. Um, But because I I think you're right. People are going to try to, I'm sitting here thinking about the brands that are on the line right now. And people are going to associate themselves with a brand and they're going to get flamed up over this conversation. And so far there's not been any attacks on a brand. There's there's an attack on an approach to a methodology. And you guys are not saying they're bad. You're just saying they belong in a sequence and that there's a time and place And, you know, the same conversation could be had for a simplistic shot because it's easier to mentally control a simplistic shot. And you could ask, Dwayne, how many people run NTS out of those top five? And it's few and far between, if any, right? They all have created simplistic shots. They may have started with a broader platform, but they've taken it and they've simplified it. And I don't want people to listen to this and just walk out enraged uh, it's, it's more about the logic.
0: If you're enraged... That's right. I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Dwayne.
1: I mean, we're, not, we're not bashing nobody. Hey, I love everybody. I hope and pray that everybody goes to a tournament or a tree stand and absolutely makes the best shot they can. You know, the biggest issue I have is, from a competitive standpoint, is people trying to get away with using a clicker or tab seer or a grip sear in a class that it's not allowed. I mean, if you got to hide something, you need to check yourself. You know, what happened to your integrity? And, you know, when I leave a range, I can promise you my integrity coming with me. You know, I'm not doing something that I'm ashamed of on the range.
0: And I'm, I'm coming from a different perspective. Just mine's basically what I went through, what I realized, what I noticed. And I don't want people to not have the exit strategy we talked about. Um, you know, I think it, like I said, I think it's important if you put a clicker on, you've got a strategy, strategy to get a hold of yourself and get it back off and just use it for a trainer. The other thing, and I always bring this up, you ever notice if, uh, uh, you know, talking about people being enraged from this podcast, if you call somebody fat and they get super pissed off and defensive, uh, that generally means they're fat. If you get super pissed off and defensive from this podcast, you might want to really think about why. Because this was just three dudes talking about how to get mental control of your shot without a Band-Aid, without a clicker. If you get enraged from what we're talking about, you might want to have a quick gut check with yourself and say, yeah, maybe, maybe I am a slave to that clicker. And if you don't mind that, who are me or Cody or Dwayne to, to say you're wrong? Rub some funk on it. We are just trying to help. And I'm telling you, in the moment of truth, if you're thinking about that stupid blade clicking and you're not thinking about killing that animal, your brain's in the wrong place, if that's a problem. So I'm just I'm sure people are gonna drive be driving, yelling at their radios when they listen to this. If you like a clicker, by all means, use it.
1: Use a clicker. That's right.
0: But in the long run, you may have some negative things that happen, and that's all we're discussing that to have true control of your shot you shouldn't need a clicker and you certainly shouldn't need some crazy ass shit like a throat clicker or some other blinking thing or you should be able to just walk up and shoot your shot and if you use a clicker to make that happen and then you don't need it later that's that's great just don't fall in a wormhole without an exit strategy and and i'm talking from a hunting perspective Dwayne's out you know talking from a tournament perspective you shouldn't to have total control, you shouldn't need it. And if someone's preaching that is your way for total control, then you don't have total control. Because if you did, you wouldn't need the clicker. And that, that is something I do have trouble wrapping my head around as guys are talking about iron mind shot processes, but you got to have a clicker. Well, you really don't have an iron mind shot process then if you have a clicker on your bow because you wouldn't need it if you did. In, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for Dwayne or Cody. That's just, I know I didn't have one when I had to have a clicker. When I got it off, I knew I had control. Right. And just if people would ask
2: themselves, like, because I fell into this trap, and if it weren't for, you know, that coaching with Chris Hill, if Chris Hill were watching you shoot, would he say, you don't have target panic, you have a terrible, you have terrible form and you have no confidence in your shot, which is a form of target panic, I understand. It's anxiety. But to fix it first, he spent two weeks on my alignment, the most basic, fundamental thing in the in archery right is getting my line and when my alignment improved everything else improved and that was coming from a very high level Olympic uh, archer and I think that was a eye-opening experience for me so I get messages all the time on people that can't bear shaft because their forms not solid and you know they're talking about adding more uh, complexity to their shot or more triggers and and I think it's could cause more harm than good in some situations so it's, there's a time and place for it all I don't
0: want to dive too down too deep of a rabbit hole here, but one thing that I I had good luck with with, with it would have been no different if Dwayne was my neighbor. Or I had Tom Clum, good alignment. I took what he taught and I kind of made. I have enough of a background. I took what he gave me and kind of made my own system. Right, wrong, or indifferent. That's that's what I did. So, as as you are making your system, and and if you, and I say this. Um, Without coming off like a total peckerhead, but if if um if I wanted to become a dietitian and I wanted to look real good, I'm going to grab four or five people that weigh four hundred pounds because no matter what advice I give them, they're going to lose weight. But if I need to be a you know a true expert at my field, I need to be able when I talk about dieting, take a guy from nine percent to seven percent or 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 six percent body fat for a bodybuilding competition. That is truly the highest level of of nutritionists can do that. If you're a, a coach and you're just grabbing shooters with terrible, horrible problems um, and throwing Band-Aids, of course they're going to see an improvement. I'm not denying that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But again, at the highest level, they're probably not shooting a trigger. They've got mental control of their shot. Um, and, and, and you want to base things off the best, not off of uh, a guy that, that gradually that improved a little bit. And I'm, I'm not coming out, I'm not saying this like I want to, but base what you're shoot, if you're going to, if you're going to, um, em, emulate someone, emulate the best, uh, and, and do what they do because they got there for a reason. And I see a lot of people kind of emulating like Eileen, you probably don't want to emulate my shotting shot sequence. I hunch over, right? I, I do uh, Rod Jenkins constantly tells me to stand up like a man, which I'm not going to because <laughs> it's working for me and I kill a lot of shit. I'm not standing up like a man right now. But if I truly wanted to compete at a national level, I'd stand upright, vertical bow, you know, whatever. And 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 so when you're when you're looking at getting, you know, coaching and things like that, you know, make sure it's applicable to the issues that you have. If you have form issues Why do you even bring up target panic? You don't want to. You don't have it. You have form problems. You don't have target panic issues. If you have target panic issues, work on that, not on form if your form's fine. So going to a brain doctor when you have bad form isn't going to fix you. True good form is really the building blocks uh, of a good shot Because if you start off with bad form, you are way more apt to get target panic than you do if you start off with good form. I'm kind of rambling on here. But there's just a lot of things I see that I kind of want to get out there, and I'm kind of jumbling it up. All right, I'm going to get after it. i got to go do the Monday morning meeting on Tuesday.